Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Well, today, guys, I want to teach about and out of Ruth. Does everybody know the book of Bible that Ruth is in? Ruth? Oh, did I pose it like a question? I was more saying... Has everybody read Ruth? I should just ask that. Has anybody here read Ruth? People know who she is. She's a person of the Bible. She's amazing. Um, So uh, basically, I want to talk about covenant relationships today. Uh, This is a big topic for me. It's one that for some reason God is just, he's always talking to me about this topic. So um, I almost don't even have one sermon. I just kind of have a bunch of thoughts about it that never stop. God's always kind of ministering to me about it. So um. Yeah, let's just hop right in. Why don't, if you could, go ahead and open up your Bibles or your phone. Let's just go to Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, and we'll just kick this thing off. Um, so a little bit of context for Ruth. Um, Book of Ruth centers around a mother figure named Naomi, and one of her daughter-in-law's names Ruth. And to, to skip to the part that I want to get to, Naomi, the mother, her husband died. And then both of her sons died, and it left her with two daughter-in-laws. You're pretty much in a tough spot in life once that gets going. So it's all about just how they manage through not having uh, men in their lives. Um, So basically, Naomi is at this point where she's got these daughter-in-laws who their husbands are dead. Naomi has nothing really to offer them, so she's just going to cut them loose. She's basically going to say, you know, go, go find another husband, go get remarried, Go find some success in the world. And that's where we're picking up right here. I'm in Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. Um, Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, going to have, I am not going to have any more sons who could become your husbands. Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is, bitter. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah his do- uh, sorry, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah's one of the daughter-in-laws. Ruth's the other one. Orpah kissed her and said, I'm out, but Ruth's hanging on here. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Um, Okay, let me stop there. So for the sake of today, when we talk about uh, covenant, we're basically talking about promise. We're talking about loyalty. 
Um, I'm probably going to use loyalty interchangeable. Loyalty can be a little bit cheapened version of the word covenant. I'm a, I'm a Ford guy. I'm loyal to Ford. That's not quite what I mean. I mean like the deeper like, uh, man, like I, I'm, I'm in this thing till death. So I'm going to use loyalty and covenant uh, interchangeably. Um, so Merriam-Webster defines covenant as a written agreement or a verbal promise, usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for, for the performance of some kind of action. Um, cool. Okay. Um, let me go ahead and pray. I want to pray over two things, and then I want to start hitting some of this information. Um, and as we go into tonight, uh, I always like it when I get to teach. Just go ahead and posture yourself. Just kind of be, I guess, mindful um, that all this information, it's, it's edible, if that makes sense, man. We get to eat it, and we get to have it you know, transform our lives. So, yeah, I'm going to go into it. Papa God, thank you so much um, for your covenants. Thank you that you're a covenant-making God. Um, thank you for the story of Ruth and how we get to, to use that and apply that today. Um, Holy Spirit, I, I just ask that you would come in the room in, in a greater measure on this topic and just minister to us. Uh, show us what it looks like to steward our lives and to tend our hearts in a way that um, we're covenant building, we're loyal people just like you are. We just want to reflect your character. Yeah, in your name. Amen. Um, <laughs> so I titled this message, Loyal Like My Father. That was the uh, fourth choice. My number, number one choice was uh, Ruth, covenant or clingy. This is my favorite one. Oh, yes. This is, uh, I like to kind of, a little darker take on and how I think about this whole thing. Um, I thought uh, on you like white rice. I'm sorry, on you like white on rice. That might also be pretty good. Loyal like my dog. Yeah, no, sorry, that's all I got. Um, so we're going to stick with Loyal Like My Father as the, uh, as the name. Thanks for bearing with me there. If I don't throw out at least like four dad jokes and make Amber roll her eyes in the back, I probably haven't done my job. So that was just to check a box. Thanks for hanging with me on that. Um, okay, cool. So I, I just, I want to tell you guys, um, my personal story about covenant. I guess you would say this is my testimony. Um, and this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, how many of you guys know Amber in the back, that super hot blonde with the baby? All right, um, so I, I won her over. I did that, and I'm going to tell you the story of how that was a miracle. You're going to find that funny how I just said that later, but she is like a walking miracle for me. She's like a manifestation of God's goodness, and I get it. You know, like every guy is going to say that. This is um, kind of the point in the sermon where most people would give a shout-out to their wife, but I'm about to center everything around this one. It's a really big deal. Um, so the reason that it is a miracle that Amber is back there and she is shaking our baby right now is primarily due to, she is not shaking her baby, rocking her baby appropriately. We don't shake, we don't shake children. Thanks, babe. The reason that it is such a miracle that Amber is back there and she sings here on Sundays and I get to say she's my wife and I get to wear this ring uh, is because of God's goodness because I was basically, like, 
so bad at being a human being, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be able to get married for most of my life. So this should be like a hope-filled testimony. If you're kind of awkward or geeky or you think you're bad with the opposite sex, I'm going to just punch this one in the face and just follow my sword in front of everybody right here. And I just encourage you to come glean off my testimony. I'll pray and lay hands on you after for like the gift of game and being able to talk. We'll hit that. Um, so yeah, my, my personal dating history was very funny. Um, there's two key components. The first one, I'm like claustrophobic. I don't want to say by nature. I don't think God made me this way. I'm terrified of commitment. I am terrified of anything that's like binding. Like I did, I literally didn't tie my shoes growing up because it freaked me out to have something that I would have to like unknot. I'm like, what if it gets stuck? And I just want to get these things off. This would be a nightmare. So big on the Velcro shoes, what? what? <laughs> big on just not tying laces. That was kind of my style. Um, the other part of that is that I just couldn't talk to girls. So the first part was like my big excuse, like, yeah, I'm just scared of commitment. I don't want commitment. But also I was like severely underfunctioning and how to communicate um, with girls. So it kind of took care of itself. I didn't need to be afraid of commitment because I wasn't in any kind of scenario where people wanted to be committed to me. So. God's good in that way, too. Um, So around the age of, let's say, like, I was legit, I was in a few light relationships, like, real easy dating. I don't know how you say this. Just, like, not super big intentions. Like, people are just fun, and, like, we just kind of enjoyed, like, going to grab some coffee, that kind of thing. I'm not a complete alien. I talk to people. I did things in public. Um, So around the age of, like, 26, I would say I started to turn the corner on, like, okay, I could see being in a relationship. Um, I could see, like, it was more, it definitely started off as head knowledge. Like, I'm cool, like, I'm okay to take the risk to be married, and 30 years in, I'm miserable and can't get out. That's where my mind automatically goes when I would think about marriage. Like, good grief, what if I just have, like, I don't like her anymore, and I've got, like, kids that are annoying, this whole thing. That's where my, I kind of always go to the darkest First thought, I don't know why that's what marriage always popped in my head for. So it's all been like real more, a lot of fun since how I used to think about marriage. So I started to turn the corner. I started to think, I think I could do long-term dating, and I think I could do getting into a relationship. Not a problem. Um, I still needed to learn how to not be a robot in public uh, talking to females. That was still like a work in progress. I wish I could play, guys. I wish I could play my greatest hits of just like awkward conversations, man. I like, I would, I would enjoy them. I'm not even, I'm past it. I'm over it. I've recovered. Um, generally, what would happen is like uh, either I would miss the mark completely. This happens so much. I would, a, a married girl that I knew 10 years ago would be talking to me and she would tell me like, man, I've always thought you were so cute. I would love to have gone on a date with you. And I'm just like, yeah, there have been, like, fantastic information before you got married. That happened, like, a good bit. And so either I just completely missed the mark and was, I don't know what I was even oblivious to, or I've legit, I'm not even kidding, this is, this is part of the power of the testimony is information I'm giving you right now. I've had conversations where I've expressed to a girl, like, man, look, this is going great. Obviously, we need to jack this to the next level. We need to start dating, right, that define the relationship. I've had multiple of those, and, like, the girl just looks at me with, like, horror and panic, like, shock that I have so been socially unaware to misinterpret whatever she was trying to communicate to me, and it was not that we should date. So that's, like, my two, like, that's, like, the rivers that I just kind of paddled my boat around for, like, 
for forever. I'm like, it's going to be one or the other. It's pretty hopeless. So finally, I started just kind of giving up. And like um, desperation is like a, it's like a, a fragrance. I think uh, women can tell when you have no other option. And, and they can just like, they can like tell from like a mile away. So somehow that started just kind of waft off me. I probably just quit caring. I'm like, man, this is miserable. I hate dating. I'm not good at it. So um, let's kind of fast forward. I've been trying to date for like four years at this point. We're doing the church here. We had kind of just started doing it here, I believe. Um, there's like seven married couples and me. I'm technically just like an uncle. And it's great. Like, like, I'm, like I'm cool getting married late. Like, I'm not like, uh, I'm just kind of like, that's kind of my who I am. Kind of have to figure it out. Um, so Amber walks to the door one Sunday. And man, like all of this panic and fear just triggers me again. It's just another opportunity to like screw up. I'm like, oh gosh, it's been so good not having any, any like opportunity to even mess this one up. So Amber, Amber comes in and I start, uh, I actually like would text people who I trusted my text before I sent them to Amber so they could edit them and be like, man, that's like a little intense or man, like I don't, that's, that's crazy. You need, don't do that. And so I had people who would help dress me. I would send them pictures when I was in the mirror and I'd be like, is this one, not that this, this one's good. So it was like a group effort. So somehow it's working. Amber and I are like chugging along. We're like two dates in at this point. We're like texting a lot. Uh, like, here, this is beautiful for me. We're texting each other, like, our favorite, like, music tracks, like, the deep cuts from all of our favorite artists on, like, YouTube. And, like, I'm a YouTube nerd. I'm, like, I'll go deep in, it's, like, I just love watching old videos of my favorite musicians. And, like, she's hanging with me. Like, she's sending me all kinds of stuff. She's, I think she sent me, like, Tupelo Honey by, uh, by Van Morrison. It was, like, her life song. And, like, she led off with that. And I'm, like, that's pretty strong. I kind of mentioned I like the Almond Brothers, and she's like, I grew up on the Almond Brothers. I'm like, my dad was pumping this on vinyl when I was like seven. I was like, oh my gosh, who is this girl? This is amazing. So I'm I'm in. Loves music and is a girl. Like I'm in. <laughs> Love Jesus. Love Jesus. So she ticked all three of my boxes. So um and I promise I'm going to get to the covenant part in a second. I just need you guys to really understand the background here because it's going to like, it just, it makes this whole thing richer. So I get her. She's coming on dates with me. Uh, it's great. We're like, I think it might have only been our third date. Um, I've got a plan. I've got a friend who's getting married on some property that I live on. I've bought a little bit of the property. I, I want to build there one day. And I'm swinging for the fences. So like, I want to nonchalantly have her on my arm and mention my property. Like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'm gonna build a home. I'm gonna build a gigantic house here one day. I'm super broke at the time. Like, no idea how that's gonna work. And so, um, man, it's going great. We're at this party, and uh, it's again, I told you it's a friend's wedding, and we uh we hop out in a little golf cart and just kind of go cruising around and watching the sunset. Property's off in the background, and we kind of start hitting some of the bigger topics in life, which I love. I'm not, small talk doesn't get me super excited. I'd rather just, let's just go for it. And Amber starts talking about, like, her dreams, like, what she thinks God has on her life. Like, you know, like, big, there's momentum going in this conversation. And out of nowhere, Amber asks me, she, 
like, I don't even think she gave me any context. She was like, so yeah, like, what would you do if, uh, if whoever you got married to, because we weren't talking marriage yet, what would you do if whoever you were married to cheated on you? I was like, whoa, where did that come from? That's bizarre. I'm like, try to like swat that away. <laughs> so Amber, Amber throws this question out there. Generally, this is going to be like testimony to God's goodness too. I would have been so unprepared with how to even like think about that question. I don't even know what would have come out of my mouth. Watch how cool God this is. Hold that in your mind right there. Um, like three to four years before this, I was living in uh, Seattle. I was with uh, Landon, and I'm just kind of bebopping around. I was a bike mechanic. I managed a little bike shop. It's kind of all I cared about. Um, I'm just being happy being a bro, riding my bike around. And um, Landon comes down one day. We were doing, like, daily workouts. And he, he's like, man, I just had this really cool thought, and I'm just kind of playing with it. He was like, man, uh, I would never leave Stacy. And I was like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, you're amazing. <laughs> you're doing the easiest part of being married, just not leaving. Um, so he kind of was like, we're kind of laughing about it. And he like kind of unpacks this concept. And he was like, man, if she cheated on me, and this is like the worst case scenario as a guy in marriage. Like, this is like holy topics. Like, you hear what I'm saying? So um, he's like, man, if she cheated on me, I can't leave because what I'm saying is that her actions have 100% like dictate my behavior. Like I, I want to make that choice, but he's like, man, I'm telling her if, if she ever cheated on me and told me she still loved me and wanted to be back with me and wanted to like fix it, that he's like, I'm not going anywhere, man. I don't, I don't have like a back door and like um, kind of a wild concept. And Landon's a verbal processor. So he's always kind of throwing out stuff like this. So I didn't think too much of it at the time. I don't even know how much of that I could absorb at the time. So I just kind of put that in my back pocket. This is how cool God is. I have no game, don't know how to talk to girls, and I get asked the hardest question in the world. Two years later, what's in my back pocket? How to respond in a hypothetical scenario if your wife was ever to cheat on you? I'm like, I have one get-out-of-jail-free card. It is for that exact question. It's crazy you ask me that. Because I know exactly what to do in that scenario. So obviously I didn't say any of that. I played it so cool. Like, ah, never really thought about that one. Give me a second. And then, you know, I tell her, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't have a scenario where your behavior would um would cause me to like cause me to do anything. I don't even understand that language. Like what you do would make me do something. Like that's just weird. There's like a lack of accountability there that is uncomfortable. And um, here's what's really interesting about that question. So just to give you some peace on it, Amber wasn't trying to devise a plan to future cheat on me. That's not the heart of her question. Amber, uh, and this ought to be vulnerable because I want you guys to know us, Amber's had a history of unstable men in her life. Amber, Amber has had father figures who uh, didn't act very fatherly, uh, guys who would just kind of like rip the rug out and roll, guys who would like not pay the bills and the lights go out. And Da, 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 da. Like that, there's just this history in her life of men who act that way. So what she is asking me is like, can I trust you? She's kind of sniffing around. Um, and uh, it, it's, it was really cool that God set it up this way. So like, really what happened is, obviously then, no, sorry, let me finish the story. Um, I didn't screw anything major up, got engaged, got married, just had our first kid. That's like up to date now, right? So um we got to build, this is really cool, we got to build the foundation of our covenant, and we didn't even realize we were doing this. God just was like lobbing us softballs, right? 
uh, on this just bedrock of trust because we've already attacked the worst hypothetical scenario. Like, she can just innately trust me, and I can innately trust her because we've had this conversation already. Like, it's really good to talk about the worst-case scenario before it happens and talk about, like, how you want to act. I think that's, like, that's just, it's brave, but it's fantastic. Um, so, I guess three main things, like, I, I really pull from this whole covenant story with, with Amber. Um, first off, obviously, covenant was not Landon's idea, and it wasn't my idea to, uh, to Amber. And that's, that's our father's idea right? Like, he functions like this. Our God is a covenant-making God. Um, the next, and this is where I want to rest, and I want to land on this and uh, kind of minister out of it a little bit. Um, God, who's your God, your Father, is, like, super attracted to people who are, like, really desire to enter into covenants and stay loyal to them. And um, somehow that just, like, pulls out his heart to, like, be near people who do that. Does that make sense, right? Um, and so, um, yeah, that, that just kind of is what it is. And, like, we'll, we'll go back and hit the Ruth stuff um, here in a second because it's, like, so relatable to that. Uh, typically, man, as human beings, we love to have caveats and carve-outs and clauses, and we just love having escape plans. That's just a natural human being thing. If I'm going to tell Josh I'm so down to go get pizza with him this Friday night at 6, I'm going to love the fact that I have a baby, and if I just don't feel like it five days from now, I'm going to tell him that she needs to, like, take a nap or something, and I can just bail on that commitment. Like, that sounds terrible to say that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, we love having, like, like man, my circumstances change. I don't feel as good now as I did when I made that agreement. And, like, pizza was a really good idea when I was buzzing and we're having, like, good connection, but... I got, like, more interesting things to do. Ooh, this is a good one. Somebody cooler asked me to go to pizza. Oh, my gosh. You'd be the cool guy in that scenario. The, um, that's a really painful one. Like, comparison and options, they come into play. Um, so that's, like, something we battle against. Um, interesting thing about God, though, is, like, once he makes an agreement, he 100% sticks with that agreement. We have just so much historical evidence of that, like, everything. The reason we're here is because of God's covenant. We're in the new covenant. He did it with Abraham. Um, <laughs> quick note on that. Amber and I were driving, uh, coming back from vacation like three weeks ago, and I told her that I wanted to talk about covenant, and she was like super supportive, super excited about it. And she's like, yeah, what are you thinking? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to go through God's covenant with Abraham and like nerd out on it. I just want to dive into like all the aspects of it. And she was like, okay, cool. So we start listening to the Bible on tape. And we listened to, like, the whole story of Abraham uh, and his covenant with God. Everybody know about that one? Pretty big one. Uh, and after the whole, after we, re- we listened to the whole thing, she, you know, presses pause. And she's like, all right, so what are you thinking? What do you want to talk about? And I'm like, I want to dive a million miles deep on, like, all the symbolism in this thing, man. Like, he's killing certain animals and cutting them in half and not cutting other animals in half. And, like, God's in a jar and he's on fire. It's like, there's all this crazy stuff here. Y'all should have seen the panic in her eyes. Because, like, I do, I lack enough social awareness that I would enjoy doing that for, like, 45 straight minutes. Like, just talking about, like, diagramming that out and going through, like, the historical, historical significance of it. I'm not. I'm going to spare you that tonight. I just thought that was really funny. If you could have seen the panic, she's like, don't do that to us. That would be so miserable. It's not, it's not going to be fun. She's like, just tell a story. Keep it light. Gosh, you babe. Um, cool. So 
the big point, and this is what I want to rest on tonight. I think this is what's tangible, and this is what we can like absolutely feast on. And I kind of alluded to it earlier. God's favor, God has, he puts favor, he puts resources, he puts, he puts things into your life. Uh, there's a gravity. When, when you start being a covenant building and a loyal person who's loyal to agreements around you, um, you, there's a gravity on your life for the favor of God. Like you pull it towards you. Um, and let me kind of like give you some like context for that. So we just talked about Ruth, right? Ruth's at this pivotal point, and she just kind of makes a promise with Naomi. Um, and there's not a whole lot of like fruition to what that promise could look like. She just says, man, I'm rugged. Like where you go, I go. Uh, you know, your God is my God. That's a big one. We don't have time to go into what that means. But think about the implications of that. I'm going to switch like she already had, I guess, switched religions, but so she's like, I'm in, I'm in with you. I'm so in. Um, here's this crazy thing. And if you've read this, forgive me, but I'll do a brief synopsis. Naomi and Ruth go back to Naomi's hometown and they should be like super destitute. They should be like on the fringes of society. I'm assuming like homeless, barely able to feed themselves. And they actually start off that way when they get back to town. Um, God is, like, so drawn towards Ruth and Naomi, and I'm going to argue it's because of their desire, like, their desire to live out of covenant together, um, that God starts throwing favor and all this stuff their way to where they get in touch with this guy, Boaz, and um, Boaz becomes their guardian redeemer, and that's a crazy scenario where Boaz actually fully redeems uh, Naomi and Ruth, again, who should have nothing to their name. Like, they're, they'd, they're homeless. Like, picture a homeless person. We have them around here. Like, that's Naomi and Ruth's almost not birthright, but that's what they're guaranteed to go back into. But instead, this guy Boaz totally pulls them up and makes sure they're protected, makes sure they have food, and then makes sure that, like, everyone in their town knows who they actually are. They're not just homeless people. It's like, oh, man, we know who these people are. We know their lineage. It's a crazy ending to the story. I don't have time to go through the whole whole thing right now. But um, so basically, like, what we see happen is God, like, he offers recognition, protection, and resources. And I'm definitely going to argue that's because of uh, Ruth and Naomi's covenant that they decided to make together. Um, so where does that leave us? Um, that leaves us in a very interesting spot. And, um, and I'm going to close it out after this, and we'll kind of do a couple things um, ministry-wise. Uh, everything in your world... Is, is almost literally built to convince you that um, convenience and choice are the only core values we should live out of, right? I'm telling you, like, I don't want to get paranoid on you in front of everyone, but, like, marketing is driven to design to, you know, you got to be uncomfortable with your current status in life, so you need to switch some stuff up, and you need to buy some stuff, and it's going to make you feel better. And if you don't like this, you need to ditch it and hop over here to this one because this one's newer. And this one, like, is going to scratch that itch that you've been trying to get itched your whole life. Like, that's, that's the world we live in. Is anybody else familiar with that? Is that cool? Like, um, so, and, and we do too. I, I do, man. I like quick. I like microwaved. I like American movies. The good guy wins in, like, an hour and 30 minutes, like, every time. It's, like, so nicely packaged. And there's no questions, like, you didn't know that the guy was actually his dad. He, like, takes off his mask, and it's his dad at the end. They just, like, tell it to you so, like, 
bluntly, like we have the same storylines in, in America, and we love them. It's, it's always been funny to me, side note, like watch movies from other countries, so depressing. Oh my gosh, right? But it's, and I don't want to say life's depressing, but I'm like, there's a, there's a piece of truth in there somewhere that I think we get pulled out of our microwave version. Um, and so what, where this where this is going to take us is, and like just logically follow the steps, of like I'm in a microwave society, it's real quick, I just punch it, I get it back, is that when you get offended or it gets tough or it quits being like pretty and fun, your only option is to bail. And actually everything around you is telling you you need to bail. And like, man, I, guys, that is, we can all agree. Does that sound like the heart of God in anything we've talked about today? <laughs> Not at all. So what I want today, today for, for me, I think, and I think what I want to minister out of is just awareness of where our soil is at. And this is what we're going to drive. Your job as a human being is to steward the soil of your heart because God's always throwing seed out there. We have parables on this. What you can control is the soil of your heart. And if you give yourself over to be an agreement-making and an agreement-keeping human being, you've just covered the soil part of your heart, and God can, like, land blessing on you. Because God launches and rests and keeps blessing in his presence on high character. That's just how he functions. He would love to just blow everyone's mind in here right now and just launch every, all of our wildest dreams to come true, but that would crush us. We, we need some time to build the legs, to build the core and the shoulders to be able to hold that, that kind of thing. Um, so... Um, I guess two, two final thoughts, and then I want to pray. Um, big thing that I pull out of what Ruth and Naomi did was that Ruth um, didn't go into something for what she could get. It doesn't explicitly state what she could give, but I would definitely argue that when, I know when God goes into a covenant, like when he went into it with Abraham, he wasn't going into it because he thought he could get a bunch of cool stuff from Abraham. Man, like there's a ton of human beings on earth. God's got a lot of angels. I just don't see that as a motivator for God to like get something. God went into it for like what he could give. Like imagine what he's offering Abraham. He's like, man, I'm going to give you all this land. That's what the original covenant was. Here to here, here to here, here to here. That's your land. Stars, that's how many kids you're going to have. That's your lineage, the whole thing. So God's a giver, right? And that's when I say tend your soil, let's tend to where we get to be givers. I felt so convicted when I was thinking about this point earlier. Uh, I married my wife because it was a checklist and something that I wanted to have happen in my life. That's not bad. It got me to where I am. I'm like, what would it spin me on top of my head if I thought my only job is to figure out everything I can give her? And my only job is to figure out how to steward her to where her life and her dreams happen. Holy mackerel, that's crazy. Um, And I realized, too, in thinking about that, the richest moments in our relationship have been when she comes and tells me stuff like, remember when I mentioned that she has a, her, her background with men? It's pretty rugged, like what her models for men were. When she comes and tells me that I did something that made her think different and understand who the father was, that's like the richest part of our relationship. And what that is, is like, that means that I didn't even realize I was doing it. I got to give her something. And I'm like so fulfilled by that. Like when she cooks something for me, when she's like super fun and we're just like enjoying like cutting up and cracking jokes, that's, it's like, it is the best, and it's part of a healthy marriage, but technically, if that's where my desire ends for it, I'm just, like, getting stuff, right? So, we get to be givers. We don't get to be takers. We, we can be, but I don't see God's favor following that. Um, 
And then uh, this is my probably one of my favorite kind of just final points on this. Uh, I like I like understanding why God does what He does. Like, why does God show up more in certain environments than others? Like, have you ever been to a different church and it has like this whole different flavor? And you're like, man, I've never even experienced God like this. Like, I'm having these thoughts that are crazy. It's awesome. And I like, I want to like understand the engineering of that. I want to understand why God does that, man. That's a big question I have. So kind of on this pursuit, this one thing, this one thing has always like not antagonized me, but uh, I always think about it. Like, where does God rest his presence? And I mentioned it earlier. I only see God rest and like remain his presence on high, high, high character groups of people. I'm telling you, families that have decided to come into agreement and live in covenant for decades, for decades. And that's, I've seen like God just, he's just pouring himself out. And what's happening is he pours himself out on this foundation. It's like built with like granite. It's crazy. Versus like, I love them. We have superstars in, in, in the church body. We have guys who are like, you know, televangelists, healing evangelists, that kind of stuff. And that's fantastic. And I, I think that the most successful of those guys are rooted in the kind of like community and agreement that I'm talking about. But that is always my first question. I'm like, man, I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to know who this guy is in 15 years, this kind of shooting star in, in the Christian world. I'm like, man, is he rooted in a group that's built into covenant and a group that just decided to say, let's be rugged. Let's just not leave each other, no matter what it looks like. Let's just see what happens. And let's see if that attracts God into our life. It's, 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 it's going to be an experiment, and it's going to be faith-driven um, because of the nature of a covenant. Like, you're signing a contract, and you don't know what the future is going to look like. That's a terrible investment for, like, most every other part of, part of the world. <laughs> but for this, it's like, it's just how the kingdom works. Um, I could babble on for forever. Thanks for staying and listening. Um, why don't... I'm just going to pray over you. We're good on talking about coming up. Um, I want to pray for two things. If you feel like you've been like wishy-washy with the Father, kind of back and forth, maybe not even like on your full-on faith, like do I believe you're God, but just things that maybe you've promised God or felt like you gave God, aspects of your heart you felt like you gave God, things that you gave over when you were like young and passionate, um, but you feel like you've kind of been unstable back towards them. I want to I want to cover that. Um, and then if you feel like you're thrown around in life because you're not uh, accountable to any other group of human beings or another human being, if that, like, pricks you in some way, like, kind of hits your heart, like, man, I'd love to, like, I want to root down. I want to figure it out. Uh, I want to pray for a grace on that and for a grace to have wisdom in it. And just to clarify, I'm not talking about going to start covenant with everyone you see. Do not person at Circle K, you do not need to make a verbal agreement that you're going to like get them out of their terrible situation and that you're going to you're going to go broke trying to do it. This is like, you'll know these are the big ones. These are the big ones I'm talking about. Like, get it. Big situations. Um, they're not cheap. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.